Messiah, Redemption, and Broken Relationships. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for the sermon of Sunday, October 3rd, 2021 from Christ Church, Jerusalem. In the beginning, God created couples, heaven and earth, light and darkness, male and female. Each of these couples is in a relationship, and it is difficult to understand one without the other. We are all in relationships, whether broken or whole, with each other and with the living God. God never gives up on a broken relationship. He loves us too much. We begin with the lectionary readings. Our first reading, Genesis 2, beginning with verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is Psalm 26. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty and whose hands are wicked schemes whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground and the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel portion is from the gospel of Mark chapter 10. Please stand as we hear and acknowledge Teachings of the Messiah. The good news, according to Mark. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, 
Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again and the disciples asked Jesus about this, he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if he divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God knows his creation very well. He knows it intimately. He's involved. He's given his creation all kinds of instructions. And some of the parts that he's given instructions of we might not like. But the lectionary, being what it is, is a valuable thing because it does mean we have to wrestle with all of Scripture. And um, it's not always an easy topic to talk about. When you start to mention relationships, divorce, remarriage and such, there's a good opportunity to offend someone, and, um, and, and probably will. And so we would welcome your uh, comments, and you can send them to the email address uh, pelegi at netvision.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But this is actually not a sermon about divorce. And divorce, as you know, comes with a big stigma, does it not? It does. All kinds of reactions, even though we know that uh, the marriage rates uh, in the current world are pretty terrible. And yet, within the community of believers, the realm of love and mercy, many of our reactions are unkind. And they're unhelpful. And they're not redemptive. So this is not a sermon about divorce. This is a sermon about broken relationships and redemption. And relationships begin at the beginning. And so we read our passage about Adam and Eve. And I have to look. I tried looking for a, um, an icon because, you know, I, I kind of like them. I was looking for a nice image of Adam and Eve in the garden with God, making a relationship, but I couldn't find one. All all I could find is uh, apples and banishments. (laughs) It didn't seem to be the happy stuff first. I was like, okay, all right, well, one day maybe we'll make a new one. And uh, we see in the book of Genesis 
that God begins his creation by making couples. And everything is in a relationship. And it is very hard to understand the other without the other. What do I mean by that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So which one did he do first? Heavens and then the earth? Interesting that in Genesis, it says, Genesis 2.4, which, by the way, is read every Shabbat. If you uh, happen to be in an uh, Orthodox home, then when you sit around the Sabbath table, you will pull out your little book of blessings and you will reread these little accounts. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord made the earth and the heavens. So which one came first? Heavens and the earth or earth and the heavens? It's very nicely done. They were made at the same time. And they were in a couple. And you cannot understand heaven if you don't have an earth. You don't understand earth if you do not have a heaven. And God separated light from darkness. How do you know what darkness is if you don't have light? You've never experienced light. Someone says it's dark, and you go, what is that? <laughs> Good or evil? Male or female? Sun, moon. They're all in couples. And God delights in these relationships. And he enters them. And he comes down, and he uh, engages with man. And I looked in the last couple of days for as many ancient sources on the creation of a woman. And they are really rare. In fact, there's two. <laughs> there's this one. And then there's this interesting Greek one where a god called Hephaestus makes man out of clay. And then Athena, the goddess of wisdom, breathes life into him. Oh, wonder where they got that idea. Wisdom breathing life into a, a man of clay. And then a little bit later, Hephaestus makes another image, another thing, a woman. And the enemy comes along and implants a, uh, uh, don't throw stones, a uh, deceitful heart and a lying tongue. <laughs> and her name is Pandora. And uh, you think, oh, man, who comes up with this rubbish? But you can see where they, they, I think they're borrowing from this tradition. I think this account is one of the only ancient sources of, of actually how you get a woman into the world. And you spend one verse making man. Got some dust, man, life, you're up. Six verses for how you make a woman. She obviously more complicated. <laughs> and all men will admit with that verse right now. Okay? <laughs> yes. Six verses on how you, you get this lady in, into creation. And in our reading this morning, Genesis 2.18, this is the first time in the Bible where God looks at something that he's been making and he says, this is not good. Well, there's a theological riddle for you. He looks at the world and he says, this is not good. What wasn't good? 
Yeah. Now, being alone is not the same as being lonely. So let's be clear about that. The Lord is the Lord alone, but he is not alone. He is a unity. And he looked at man and he said, there's something not quite right here. This is not good. He's lonely. He's had all these animals come before him and he's named them all. Uh, and, but they're not quite in a relationship with him in the way I want relationships. So I will make a woman. And I make this creature and uh, we call her the helper. That's what most of our translations will say. Uh, the Hebrew is, is a bit more nuanced, and it, it, it's used. The Hebrew says, "I shall make a woman, ezer kenegdo." What, is, what does neged mean? Any Hebrew speakers? Against. It's like what you're going to make a woman against him? What does that actually mean? <laughs> it's not meant. It's not in a, in a bad way. I will make a helper. I will make helpful opposition. I'm not making a doormat. I'm not making something that's, you know, honey, um, do you mind doing absolutely everything and I'm going to sit on the couch. Is that okay? Yes, I would love to do that. No. Helpful opposition. There are sometimes men, sometimes ladies need to come and tell us, uh, what you're doing is absolutely stupid. And I really think that our family would be better if you tried this. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes we need a friend to come and do exactly the same thing. You don't need a friend to come and tell you yes all the time. In fact, if your friends are only ever telling you yes, hmm, be a little bit careful. God knew exactly who people need. And he joined in that relationship. And while it doesn't say they got married, okay, there is the tradition that they got married. And uh, God, uh, he, he um, makes the chuppah and marries Adam and Eve off. And Michael the archangel uh, does Eve's hair, according to Jewish tradition, which is... I can just imagine, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's Michael acting a bit like Zohan, you know, doing Eve's hair, going, sort of going, oh, I shall make this nice and soft and silky, and then I'm going to go and get that, that Satan <laughs> and throw him out of heaven. But first I should do her hair. So I was really looking for an icon that had Michael in it doing her hair, but I couldn't find one. But we have this relationship right at the start, and God joins in. But it breaks. The relationship breaks, and uh, they need to be banished from the garden. And they leave the presence of the Lord, and for a brief moment, while they are together, they're also alone. Not for, much, not for long, they end up having kids. But I understand um, that being alone is not the same as loneliness. Because Paul also uh, admonished some of us that perhaps we actually have to be alone to get some stuff done. 
and I'll share a personal story. Some of you know that we have a, a branch of CMJs in Hong Kong, China. And I had the absolute privilege of being able to teach the Underground Church of China all up for about five months. And there was one time when I was in Wuhan, before the virus, <laughs> which I have to say is the dirtiest city I've ever seen. Okay, the, uh, you wear masks back then, because if you don't, you die. <laughs> Okay. I remember that being so polluted, I, had to, I couldn't stand up to teach. I had to sit down. My head was spinning from lack of oxygen. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, I was teaching, and the community lapping it up. I would have to teach eight hours a day. None of this 20-minute, 30-minute sermon stuff. This was keep teaching. I kept asking kids, and they wrote everything down. And they said, don't leave. Can you stay and teach us? And I remember going back to my billet, to the, where I was being, being um, housed, and lying on my little futon bed, looking up at the darkness, and going, now I get Paul. Because these are my brothers and sisters, and they were desperate to know God. And they said, stay. But I had a family who were desperate for their husband and father to come back. So I was torn. So I got it a little bit. And for a brief moment, I was lonely. Marriage is a reflection of God's love. It's a reflection of God's character. It's a reflection of who he is, and it is a blessing. Marriage is a relationship, but not all relationships are marriage. You can have lots of relationships that don't, are not defined as marriage, and they are precious, beautiful, instructive, they're a blessing, and God is present in those too. And relationships have problems. Adam and Eve's rebellion is a good start. We have to keep working at our relationships. God actually keeps working at his relationships. He doesn't leave Adam and Eve alone. He doesn't leave humanity to itself. There's a broken relationship. He pursues this broken relationship. He keeps working at it. And he calls Abraham. He redeems Israel. At Mount Sinai, he enters into covenant. And in Jewish exegesis and tradition, this is a marriage the cloud that's covering the mountain is like the chuppah, and God is marrying his people. And the relationship through the prophets is described like a marriage. Israel, you're an unfaithful wife. You're having taken many lovers. But God doesn't give up. God does not stop working. He makes a covenant with Israel absolutely on Mount Sinai, and it is broken even before I, Moses gets down the mountain. Even before Moses gets down the mountain, we have broken the covenant. We have made a cow. But God doesn't give up. He doesn't stop defending his people, doesn't stop uh, feeding them, he doesn't stop keeping their, their, their clothing from wearing out. He doesn't leave. He tells, I want to actually, I'm going to make this, this, this relationship even deeper. I'm coming to live inside you. So you build me a tabernacle. Then you build me a, tab a temple. I will keep 
working at this relationship. That is a good character of a good God and something we need to learn. Place me like a seal on your heart, says the wise man in the Song of Songs, like a seal on your arm, because love is as strong as death and its jealousy is unyielding as the grave. So, relationships are begun in the garden. God joins in. He's involved in relationships. Relationships break. But broken relationships don't have to stay broken. They can be worked at. They can be pursued. They can be redeemed in many different ways. We have a look at our gospel portion Uh, where we have the teaching of the Messiah, we see that our Pharisees come and they uh, engage Jesus on the topic of divorce. It's a hot topic back then. 2,000 years later, it's still a hot topic. Divorce is many things, but it is not the unforgivable sin. We need to let that sink in. doesn't say that it's nice. I'm not going to say that at all. It's a broken relationship among many. But it is not the unforgivable sin, and it is not unredeemable, like any broken relationship. And God knew about relationships being broken. He'd experienced it right from the start. And so in the Torah, in Deuteronomy 24.1, There is a a passage which they're all referring to in Moses, this certificate where Moses says, uh, if you find something that is unpleasing, the the word um, erva sort of is is the same word. uh, No one's 100% sure what it means. It's some sort of uncleanness. Um, It's the same word that Ham and Noah have when Ham goes in and and sees the nakedness of his father. That's what he's... is what we translate it as, he sees the erva. And um, no one really was sure what is uncleanness. If a man finds uncleanness in his, in his lady, what, he, he writes this certificate. And so at the time of Jesus, there were these two schools. People were debating this. And um, the school of Hillel, now Hillel and Shammai, you've heard of these guys, have you? Yep. Um, they're actually a generation prior to Jesus, and, um, and they're not rabbis, you might notice. They're never called Rabbi Shammai, and they're never called Rabbi Hillel. Rabbis actually appear around the time of Jesus. Okay, Rabbis, like today, rabbis rule synagogues, not in the Bible. Okay, Paul, when he went around uh, the book of Acts, never met a rabbi. Uh, they're elders running synagogues. School of Hillel, school of Shammai, these were two schools of thought, looking at the text, and Hillel said um, he was always a bit more generous, uh, a bit more easier, lighter. We might kind of like him. Not in this one, though. He said, um, uh, what is it? what's uncleanness? Uh, well, if you don't like your wife's cooking. That's it. Isn't that horrible? Okay. You burnt my toast. You're out. Shammai was the strict guy. He's the stricty. He was always tough. And he said, no. This is actually for only for adultery, which is the way you see 
the, the gospel play out, the teaching of, of the Messiah. And um, they understood that there was these broken relationships, and they were trying to work out how broken <laughs> and what you could do with them and how they would fix them. And um, the, the book of Matthew, which has the similar, the synoptics play this out, this, this encounter out uh, in all three Gospels. The book of Matthew says, when the Pharisees come, they say, can a man divorce his woman for any reason? What they were, it, it tends to show you that they were looking at the text in Deuteronomy a little bit more. The ideal of Jesus in all of our relationships is the correct one. Yes? Yes. And Jesus is a redeemer. And Jesus is present in every one of our relationships. So when our relationships break or falter, and they will, then we need Jesus. We need him. All relationships need work. Whether that's the relationship you have with your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your work colleague, your friend, your boss, your enemy, or your helpful opposition. And broken relationships need even more work. All relationships need work, and broken ones even more so. We live in a fallen world, yes, but we live in a world where we have the opportunity to repent. And all of us have the opportunity to take a broken relationship and to work at it and repent and overcome, just like God did when all of the relationships he was engaged in were constantly broken. He didn't give up. He kept working at it. He kept looking and thinking, there's something that's worth in this relationship. Well, that's us. It's his creation. That's worth it. So in our broken relationships, we need to think, what's, what's worth? What's it worth? What's the consequence? There's always a consequence to actions. And we have to teach our kids that. We, if, you, if you touch a hot pan, you will get burnt. And for many of us who, who um, uh, know of or been part of or have gone through broken relationships, many of the consequences only show up a bit later. Um, and, and it's when those consequences are coming that we actually need help. We really need people to, to be helpful and redemptive and to come alongside and help to bless because you can pick up a broken relationship. God did. And, and we've worked with people here on this mission field. We've worked with people who have had to go through a divorce. And in some cases, they got remarried. In some cases, they didn't. And they came here and they gave their, their, their time to the Lord, building his kingdom. And we could point our fingers and, and give them a piece of stigma if we want, and none of that would be helpful. We have... A broken relationship, many of them, even people who are single. We all have relationships, and some of our friends, we, they, we bust up, and it hurts like heck. But is it worth it to redeem those relationships? Yeah, probably. And we have the Spirit, we have God, and brothers and sisters, I hope that we have each other. 
because a community that is united, this is not the unforgivable sin. People who are in a broken relationship, they're hurting. And they're suffering consequences to actions. But we can overcome. All things can be redeemed. All things can be redeemed. Even broken relationships. Interestingly, our gospel passage ends, doesn't end there. The, gospel, the gospels are interesting creations. They're um, finely crafted texts. And then you stick in uh, in this uh, discussion on relationships about children. It ends with receiving the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's a nice thing to end on. How do you receive the kingdom of heaven? You receive it like a child. Now, the text doesn't elaborate how exactly you do that, particularly if you're 85. It's a generalization, of course, to say that children are teachable. I'm hoping that the people at the Anglican School could reflect that. Yes, our children are teachable. Children are usually, generalization, teachable. They ask questions. They see the world in a little bit less complicated way than we do. And I suspect that children's understanding of divorce is also a little less complicated. Relationships require work. And so, like children, let's, in an uncomplicated way, ask questions, look at the world in a, in a, in a little bit more less jaded fashion. Let's work at all of our relationships. Let's remember that being alone is not the same as loneliness. Find a friend. Be a friend. Celebrate marriage. Cry with those who are divorced. Become a friend with those who are alone. And together we'll work at all of our relationships. The Spirit will be present, Messiah will be present, and He'll redeem every single one because that's who He is. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.